How is the take tonight? Not bad, Mr. Hennessy. Almost 20 grand. Good. Tell the boys I'll be with them in a few minutes. $142 bills, $150 bills, the rest, five, ten. I told you I'd come back. Remember, Buchanan? Would you hear not Buchanan? I don't look like him. But I am him. Don't you recognize the voice, Jim? I promise to see you die, and I will. listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on site. Welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 242. I'm your host, Lee. If it weren't for my money, you'd be experimenting with cats and dogs in that flea-sized lab of yours in Europe, Russell. And I'm joined by my trusty co-host, Lee. I said I would live to see you die, Hardy. How are you doing, man? I'm like a turtle. You're like a turtle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's what struck me with that meme I shared. Yeah. I'm just a turtle. I just live to see you die. That's my purpose yeah. in life. This means nothing to anyone listening to this. It's like you have to be on our Facebook walls to see this shit. Like, um, but yeah, we're doing kind of a little bit of an old uh, 1950s classic uh, radioactive monster kind of feature. Uh, creature with the atom brain from 1955 although it should be called like the creatures with the atom brains or something like that since there's several of them but um that's beside the point <laughs> yeah uh but we'll get into that uh in a few minutes but uh first off we have some comments and youtube comments so we got to get into these and they're all positive the- oh i thought they're all going to be like where's the movie well, well, we'll get to it, but technically they're all positive. Um, 
so on our episode for the Beast of War, uh, someone okay. called David Winstrom said, glad you guys watched this. I saw it last year, though my searching for rare and hard to find movies. Uh, it's an important movie, I think. Uh, it's an important movie you should be that should be more praised. Yes, people should watch this. Nice to hear both of your thoughts. No, thank you. And I agree um, with him. Mm, mm. Um, and we have uh, Shadowman4710 who uh, comments quite frequently on our YouTube uh, videos. Uh, I'm really glad you guys found this little forgotten gem of a film. They used to play it all the time on cable in the late 80s to early 90s, but it's since largely disappeared. There are very few war films uh, made about this period in history. There are one or two about the first Gulf War, including the much underappreciated Jarhead, but that's about it. The acting here is really first class and it's well-directed. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a really good film. Um, we, going to our episode on Siege, uh, our last episode we did, uh, you were not on that one, unfortunately. I was not. Yeah. I disappeared. I ran away. No. Mm. <laughs> um, she, was, she was locked down in a in, in a, in a farm. restaurant mm. <laughs> I was serving people <laughs> mm. um, but uh, someone called Vaughn Kuhlmeyer uh, made a comment there uh, of course that's our friend Vaughn who's who was on that episode um, and he asked where's the movie I don't want to listen to this dummy from Jersey could you re-upload this with just Lee's audio well there you go <laughs> Taking a shot at himself there a little bit and taking a shot at us too because it is the running joke. Where's the movie? Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, if, if anything, Vaughn is a master of self depreciating uh, humor, uh, much like I am. Quite oh, often. I'm trying to watch the movie before I watch or listen to that podcast because I started listening to it and I'm like, nope, I want to watch the movie first. Mm -hmm. So. I need to watch that movie. Yeah, you do. You definitely do. Yeah. Uh, and our final comment here, uh, this is on our Sherlock Holmes and the Secret Weapon episode that we did with Matt Anderson a few weeks back. Uh, this is also Shadow Man 4710. And he says, uh, I went back to rewatch these earlier in the year and realized that I hadn't seen at least half of them. Uh, of course, talking about the entire sort of Sherlock Holmes series uh, this mm -hmm. sadly is one of my least favorite of the bunch, second only to the really subpar voice of terror. I just don't like these attempts at making murder mystery stories into spy films. Mm. Yeah, Lestrade is fun, but Watson continues to get on my ner last nerve as the incompetent bungler. I'll give this one a five out of ten at best. And I mean, I'll say that's totally fair in yeah. the sense that, I mean, there's just some people who don't like having their Sherlock Holmes fucked with and stop being like the detective in the Victorian times that he yeah. originally was. Right. And we kind of commented on that too, saying that mm -hmm. it took away from the whole uh, mystery detective thing and turned into more of like a action, not action. Uh, I guess you could say spy movie, like you said, Yeah, because we, yeah, we definitely made that point because it did feel non Sherlock Holmes esque. Like it definitely lacked that true Sherlock Holmes feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think I said even on the episode, like I was originally sort of in the same position that Shadow Man was in here when, when it comes, you know, years ago when it came to these, where I was like, I'm really kind of against Sherlock Holmes being just a super spy or whatever. But I've kind of like 
turned the corner on that a little bit. I kind of enjoy it now, like taking it in context of when it was made and stuff. I, I think it's actually pretty effective and some people have done far worse for Sherlock Holmes than, than <laughs> this. So, I mean, yeah. All right. Uh, thank you guys for the comments. Um, and I should just mention, of course, you can't, you can only, um, not only can you leave comments on our YouTube videos and those sort of come out infrequently. Like I don't post those like right with the upload of the actual podcast episode on uh, Apple podcasts or whatever. Um, if you do join the Facebook group, they must be destroyed on site on Facebook. You can leave all the comments you want. And that's probably the preferred way of us getting to your comments really quick and responding to them on the show. But um, uh, not going to, you know, people find our podcast where they find it. So that's cool too. Uh, thank you for the comments either way. Um, going to move over to what we've watched uh, recently now, and I will throw it over to you. So um, since I have been watching a ton of movies for class, uh, I kind of wanted to uh, bring some up. So with Repulsion and Night Living Dead are two mm-hmm. of the ones that I've had to watch. And I'm uh, kind of excited that this class has been targeted or directing me into these movies because they're very iconic movies, uh, to say the least. Like I know Repulsion had the first um, orgasm because you hear have an orgasm on uh, British television that was like, allowed by the censors back then. Hmm. Like it's, uh, I just found that out. So it's kind of cool to be uh, watching these movies that were made so long ago that are still like iconic today. So I just, um, just want to bring that up. And mm-hmm. then uh, I also watched uh, beautiful. It's with mini driver. I can't remember what year. Um, anyways, it's about, a woman who wants to win the Miss America pageant and yeah. she's not technically not allowed because she has a child. Hmm. Talk about like the most selfish, terrible human being just getting everything she wants right at the end. Cause she's just like, I'm a mother. I should be hmm. allowed to win. <laughs> like you watch the movie and it's so cringeworthy. Like I think it's gotten terrible, terrible reviews on hmm. any site that you check. And it is. It's a garbage movie. Like the end was had this kind of more beautiful message where uh, they do want to respect, like, kind of break the traditions of like your standard Miss America, whatever, mm-hmm. um, and uh, take away kind of the more archaic um, sexist positions that they have. But they do it so terribly. Like the whole movie, they explain this so terribly. Like she's supposed to be a mother, and uh, her best friend. Uh, basically adopts the child and the mother is basically the aunt and the best friend is the mother to this child. Mm -hmm. And the actual mother is garbage to this child. Even as an aunt, she's a terrible caregiver. And then like their relationship when they have the pageant, it just turns out to be this beautiful thing that like bonds each other in seconds. And then also the aunt gets sent to jail because uh, she's a home. uh, uh, What's it called? Um, Oh, geez, I can't remember now. Uh, anyways, people who, uh, like, she works in nursing homes. Mm-hmm. And uh, health, this... Health uh, healthcare worker. Uh, um, personal support worker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking of. So she's a PSW, and this old lady hides her sleeping pills 
because she basically wants to commit suicide because she's absolutely miserable. Anyway, she kills herself on an overdose and the best friend goes to jail on the suspicion that she might have done it. And we end the movie and we don't know what happens to the best friend. <laughs> they're watching what? the pageant. <laughs> they're watching the pageant in prison and they're all excited because like Mini Driver wins the the um, the contest but it never goes back to say what happened to the best friend. The best friend just left in jail and rot. Like, oh, that's great. <laughs> it's so that's- dumb. It's so dumb. Like, it's so bad. <laughs> like, it's, it's definitely one of the worst movies I've watched in a long time. Oh, hint. <laughs> Any of you who are going to listen to our, our worst and our best ofs. <laughs> that yeah. has definitely made the list. That All has right. far made the list. Okay, yeah, and actually, you know, I'll, I should I should have the wherewithal this time to actually record the episode when we uh, when we do it this time for this year. You're not allowed to fuck up again. <laughs> yeah, since I uh, and also, you know, I don't know if anyone actually listens to us actually gives a shit, but I've like constantly promised, like, oh, I will give the like printed versions of our lists on the oh, Facebook yeah. group. I put all that effort into writing everything down, and then you never posted. I was like. Well, Daniel never gave me his list, so like Daniel's been too busy fighting Nazis and shit. So you know, <laughs> I actually, did my homework, okay? I know you did. Yeah. My- <laughs> I, I might still get around to posting those. So it's just. Fucking- I guess you could do it like on the actual day, like when we record it. So when you have the recording, then in the description, just throw it out on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. boy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, or? No, I think that's it. I think that's no, that's it. Okay, uh, I'll mention two things really quick here. Uh, first one I'll mention is a movie called Cisco Pike from 1972. Um, this is starring Chris Christopherson. Uh, I think it's his first starring role, if I'm not mistaken. And you know who Chris Quite Christopherson is, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's mostly known as a musician, but he is an actor too. Um, and this is back in the period where I kind of think his music was like really really good too where he wasn't as country western as he became in his later years um but uh so he plays this sort of folk rock guy who got busted and went to jail for like five years over a drug charge and he just he's getting out and he's determined to like clean himself up and and go straight and get his band back together and all that uh, so he's wandering around making connections back with his his old friends his girlfriend karen black Uh, who's stunning in this. Um, (laughs) And he gets uh, waylaid by a dirty cop played by Gene Hackman, who I think is the guy who busted him in the first place. He's now basically blackmailing him and saying, you're going to sell all of these kilos of really high grade marijuana that I've gotten a hold of illegally for me and make me $10,000 within the the span of one weekend, or I'm going to bust your ass right back to jail on some flimsy charge. And so basically uh, Cisco Pike here is forced to reconnect with all of his old drug buddies and try to make contacts. And he's, he's literally got a little black book of addresses and phone numbers and such. And he, and he go, and so the movie is kind of a, it's kind of a very casual hangout movie. Like it's a neo-noir at its core, but it's the majority of the movie is just hanging out with Cisco Pike and following him as he makes these drug deals. 
and tries to sell as much weed as he can within the span of the weekend, all the while trying to keep it a secret from his girlfriend. Um, his ex-bandmate, played by Harry Dean Stanton, uh, comes into town, and he's a heroin addict now. So that adds complications. And I think the, the real big thing here is, like, Gene Hackman's performance as the dirty cop is fucking fantastic. And, like, it's a very sort of off-kilter performance for him where you don't really know why exactly he needs the money so badly, but he plays it like he's very nervous and unhinged and a little crazy. And it slowly unravels as the film goes on. And I thought it was really, really fucking good. Like it's, it's a very leisurely paced film, but it's just, it's a little slice of Los Angeles that doesn't exist anymore. It's just like a, it's a total time and place kind of movie that um, you just don't see anymore because Los Angeles isn't that anymore. And uh, so I think it's a valuable little time capsule because it feels very authentic. Like the performances are very naturalistic. Uh, it's got a couple of really good character actors in there. Uh, there's one I particularly like who only did like maybe four or five films in her career in the seventies uh, named joy bang. And surprisingly, not a porn star, uh, you know. Um, Stealing that name. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's really really good. Um, definitely worth checking out if you haven't checked it out. Um, the other one I'm going to mention, and this one sort of connects to something we watched uh, just the other night. Uh, we watched Night of the Living Dead, so you could yeah. uh, you know bone up for your class, and. Uh, I watched Night of the Animated Dead from 2021. Ooh. Yeah, don't get too excited. Oh. <laughs> um, so this is an animated remake of the film. It's pretty much like a shot-for-shot shot, like remake of it, but just it's animated. The animation is terrible. It is it, the the design is terrible. The animation is terrible. It looks like a bad Flash cartoon from like the 2000s. Um, there's like some high profile kind of, you know, voice actors and stuff in it doing the voices, but it's a total waste of fucking time. Like there's some slight tweaks to it. Like you, it, it puts some actual gore in it that you don't see in the actual movie, but my God, is it terrible? The score is fucking terrible. It's just a waste of everybody's fucking time. I don't know why they did it. It's just, I mean, there's been remakes of Night of the Living Dead. Like I suggested to you, that you should watch the 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead. Um, nobody should watch Night of the Animated Dead because it's, it's fucking true. horrible. It's <laughs> fucking horrible. Uh, but yeah, um, with that, we're going to take a quick break, play a podcast promo, some music, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Creature with the Adam Brain. And I don't know about you, Lee, but I think... We got this, man. We got this by the ass. All right. Perfect, baby. Perfect. <laughs> you ungodly warlock. Uh, there's this show called Movie Melt, and you probably know about it. Uh, and it's once every two... I have no idea how often this is uploaded. <laughs> and it's a show where a bunch of companeros get together and... We play some fun games, trivia mainly. Uh, we talk about new releases. Uh, we have some fun games where we try and guess the title of a movie based on stuff that really probably religious people write on IMDb. 
yeah, it takes about 20 hours to record. There's always a failure midway through. Uh, and then the highlight of the week of the, of the show is uh, reviewing a movie. Usually it's kind of a interesting, lesser known cult type movie. And it's uh, quite enjoyable. It sounds good in theory, yes. <laughs> I might have a listen one day. <laughs> wow. wow. You ungodly warlock. Creature with the Atom Brain from 1955, and we do have a trailer. Fission science creates an electronic monster so terrifying, only screams can describe it. Come back home. Come back home. According to the evidence, Hennessy was murdered by a creature with atom rays of superhuman strength and a creature that cannot be killed by bullets. (laughs) 
I said I would live to see you die. I just came from the bureau. They checked the murderer's fingerprints. His name is Willard Pierce. They let me have it from the files. Any theft, fraud, three months in prison, tuberculosis. How could a tubercular man have strength enough to break those bars like that? You think that's something? Answer this one. How could a dead man have strength enough to do it? Fantastic, but based on scientific fact. Please, how long you're flying? You will stop all planes and trucks searching for radioactivity. If you do not, many people will be killed. There will be no other warning. Hello, hello, hello. They hung up before I put a tracer on it. Slow down, Dave. Dave, did they? No. Killed him. So the reason why trailers are mostly a visual medium. Uh, but yes, Creature with the Atom Brain from 1955. This is directed by Edward L. Kahn, and he's a fairly important name as far as when we get to this period of like uh, atomic monsters and stuff goes. Um, he did a lot of stuff since like the 1930s. He was doing mostly uh, second feature runs, basically, like stuff like second features to attach to bigger movies uh, for the studio. Um, but he sort of gained some nor- notoriety and kind of got a, gained a reputation as a like really good workmanlike director who got stuff done on time and under budget and generally made better than the usual schlocky movies. Like he, he even with low budgets, he generally made pretty decent films. Um, if you look at like his IMDb scores for most of his films, as you know, as iffy as imdb scores can be at times uh most of them kind of range over five like you know six or seven something like that so he he does have some pretty significant ones uh invasion of the saucer men from 1957 the she creature from 56 it the terror beyond from beyond space from 58 curse of the faceless man from 1958 and kind of a remake of this film in a way, although it's aliens taking over dead bodies uh, called Invisible Invaders from 1959. We have a writer here, uh, Kurt (laughs) Siodmak. I practiced this earlier and I still fucked it up. Uh, Kurt Siodmak. He started off basically as a journalist (laughs) with his wife, Henrietta. And they lived well into like up till like year 2000, something like that. Like they lived well into their 90s together and were married all that time. Um, their first sort of introduction to movies is they had bit parts on the movie Metropolis as uh, sort of bit walk on players as they were, you know, doing a story on the film. And then they sort of he sort of got into film writing. Uh, he was also a novelist and one of his novels, Donovan's Brain. Uh, was remade like four times in Hollywood. And he also wrote uh, The Invisible Man Returns, The Invisible Woman, The Wolf Man, 
Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. I walked with the zombie and Earth versus the Flying Saucers. So he did a lot of really cool shit, uh, especially within this period. As for our cast here, just a couple people mentioned in length and basically our first two two players. Uh, Richard Denning is Dr. Chet Walker. Uh, his other credits are, of note are Creature from the Black Lagoon from 1954, uh, The Black Scorpion from 57, and he had a long fucking stint on Hawaii Five O as I think like an attorney general or some shit like that. Like, I, I don't know exactly what he did, but he's one of these guys who, by the time his career hit the sixties, he transitioned to te- television and sort of wrote out the rest of his career, only doing TV. Um, then we have Angela Stevens as Joyce Walker. Uh, she didn't do a lot of films like her career kind of ended in the sixties too, doing a bit of TV. And uh, she has an interesting life though. Um, Probably her most other notable film, although she's just like a bit player on it, is uh, The Wild One from 53, which is the Marlon Brando biker movie. But she retired abruptly from acting, it says, in the early 60s to take care of her ailing 15-year-old son, Joe, who tragically broke his neck after driving off a pier and hitting a sandbar. So she nursed him for 23 years until his death at the age of 38, apparently. So. Wow. Yeah, she's definitely putting family first here in in head of her career. Apparently, also, she wasn't, like, too big into being an actress. Like, she had no big grand designs for it. It was just a way to make money. It was like, I look really good, and they want to put me in pictures, and they're going to pay me. So that's kind of what she she was doing there. But, um, yeah. one other neat story, though, with her, She's, she, she seems to have had a quite an eventful life. Um, in 55, Steven sued a, a dress shop owner for 36 thousand five hundred dollars saying an attack from a wild and vicious ocelot disfigured her which cost her a role in the film what yeah so somehow she got attacked by an ocelot at a dress shop what yes i I, I don't know how this could happen but (laughs) apparently it did and she won she got a she got a settlement so um yeah, good for her. Uh, I don't know if the bites were on her face or anything. I think they were on her arms or some shit or something. But uh, either way, she claims she lost a role for it. And yeah, uh, we got S. John Lawner as Captain uh, Dave Harris. Uh, Michael Granger as Frank Buchanan. Uh, Gregory Gay as Dr. Wilhelm Stig. Linda Bennett as Penny Walker. Tristan Coffin as District Attorney McGraw. Harry Lauder as Reporter One, Harry J. Blake, or Larry J. Blake as Reporter Two, Chris Evans as Chief Camden, and Pierre Watkin as Mayor Brimmer. And we have a synopsis here from Gabe Taverney on IMDb. Several years earlier, gangster Frank Buchanan was deported to his native Italy to Yeah, Buchanan, that's a real Italian fucking name. Like they should have said he should have been deported to like fucking like Ireland or something, right? Like you could get away of saying Buchanan is maybe an Irish name, right? Like, and he has no accent. He has no Italian accent. Like, if anything, he's an Irish gangster. Um, <laughs> was deported to his native Italy through the efforts of law enforcement authorities and rival gangsters who inform on him. While in Europe, he meets scientist Wilhelm Stig, uh, who's an ex-Nazi, by the way, uh, who has perfected a method of reanimating dead people and controlling their behavior with oral commands. Buchanan underwrites Stig's experiments 
and uses his technology to wreak revenge on his enemies. Unfortunately, radioactive poisoning is a byproduct of the process, and authorities use radiation-detecting devices like Geiger counters to pinpoint the source of the sinister plot. And yeah, that sort of happens. But we'll get into it here. So I know this is the first time I've watched for you, Lee. Uh, what did you generally think about this one? Uh, I found it really interesting. Uh, so I kind of enjoyed the concept of it. Um, now that you mentioned the whole Italian thing, it kind of makes me laugh because, like, <laughs> German and Italians mm-hmm. <laughs> in the 1950s. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also um, with Henrietta being the doll's name, just another thing that I noticed when you were giving me all those facts. So Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of cool and interesting. But uh, overall, yeah, I I did enjoy it because I thought – the actual storyline itself is uh, interesting. Um, it's uh, it's a lot more difficult to make these kind of movies nowadays because we have a lot more information readily available for like science things. And um, some of the science they did mention uh, mm-hmm. was something that is real, but it's extremely, extremely, extremely loosely based. Like yeah. there's just a couple things here and there where I'm like, okay, yeah, that does make sense. But then the rest of it is just entire like <laughs> yeah they of information they do give us they do give us right like they do the same thing they did in them right where they give us like the slideshow kind of thing on, on mm-hmm. the on the screen of uh exposition dump basically it's like well you know with animals and oh they had this cute little dog hooked up to her electrodes it's like oh don't oh, do that no <laughs> i know the dog <laughs> wasn't actually connected to them but i couldn't watch it i was like no yeah <laughs> but it, it was like so, you know, since, you know, the, the concept of send signals to the brain and you can make the brain do different things. Uh, and it goes back to the basic thing of like, you know, cutting open a frog and putting signals into it to make its legs move and shit like that. Like it has that concept. Right. And then it's like, uh, you know, they explain, OK, yeah, we could do that with living creatures. You know, we can we are uh, our, our dead creatures. We can make them jump and stuff like that, but we can't make them walk around and talk and shit uh, because there's not enough energy in the dead body to you know sort of do that. But he's like, well, what if we use radiation, some sort of radioactive magic stuff? You know, basically, radiation is magic in this in this period. Basically, it can do anything. So they just it's say fifties too. It is very fifties. Yeah. yeah, but it, it's like. Um, it's it's not it's not the it's not like what and i think we'll talk about like the connections to this to like something that romero does later on in nights of the living dead but um it's a very uh it's not so much even like anti-communist or anything like that in this film it's just very i don't know just we don't know what radiation does so we're gonna make up shit and um and kind of put it in this hackneyed kind of plot. Like I gotta, I gotta say, <laughs> you gotta really suspend your disbelief in this one. You do. Um, you yeah. definitely do. I, they, like I said, they definitely play around with the idea that uh, information is not readily available for everyone. If mm. you did a movie like that nowadays, people would just be like, this is fucking bullshit. Cause we get the basics of a lot of things. Like we understand the basics of a lot of things. And we also have like, can easily Google search, whatever. But yeah. Back then, it wasn't as if you could just go and uh, find a textbook on this stuff because it was 
uh, more difficult information to find. Mm -hmm. So that's why I kind of think the whole concept is really interesting because they took something um, like the whole radiation thing, which I know uh, in the fifties was kind of something that was like, there was a love hate with it. Like Mm -hmm. I remember with advertisement, they would show, not me specifically, just remember seeing ads that showed the old school ads <laughs> but mm. where they had like the makeup and they'd show a Geiger counter and be like, see, low Geiger counters, <laughs> like just oh, wow. that kind of stuff. Yeah, just that kind of stuff. So I think there was a massive fear of uh, radiation in general. So to put it as a movie, to kind of take the whole concept and make a story out of it, uh, it's almost as if it's like, getting people ready <laughs> like, yeah. people be like this is what happens when radiation comes around i don't know it was just it was just it was kind of like a hilarious movie to watch uh i know it was supposed to be more of a scary movie but it's a little bit outdated when it comes to a lot of the like we said a lot of science terms and all that stuff but i just thought it was like funny to watch like it was a fun watch uh especially carrying it comparing it to like today information and back then information like mm-hmm. the sexism was real in there the child abuse was real in there like the way um just the doctor how he talked and all the things that he said like it's it's it just a lot of word salad to try and sound smart mm-hmm. like yeah it's a yeah. very very iconic 50s movie <laughs> like just that <laughs> everything about it like everything you hear about a stereotypical like 1950s thinking person is in that movie yeah and i gotta say like the movie i do like this a lot um but the movie is very like it's both kind of smart and dumb about radiation at the same time like um i did like that like this is, this is kind of like the early one of the early uh versions of hey they should wear radiation suits and have lind uh sort of lead lined uh you know walls and shit to like avoid radiation getting to them and getting detected and and because they have their so this gangster who's hired this nazi scientist they have all these dead bodies are reanimating and they've got them sort of cordoned off into this lab that's just flooded with fucking radiation and that's kind of where they sit to recharge and stuff and they have to put on the radiation suits and go into that lab so that's kind of really cool like i like that like that's that's kind of foreshadowing what movies would be like later on with, you know, decontamination chambers and radiation and suits and such. Um, So that's cool. But then you get the idea later on where the scientist goes out, he has to get out of the fucking lab. He has to go out and have a drink, you know, or something like that. He has to just, you know, uh, get out for a stroll. And the idea that by this time, the government's searching for high levels of radiation, the idea that they'd pick up his radiation and and follow him if he had that much radiation coming off him he'd be <laughs> dead he'd be dead he There'd would be... be dead he would be dead yeah <laughs> like even just oh my god that's that's the whole funny part to it for it to me for well for it mm. to me sure let's put that in uh it's just <laughs> the ridiculousness of radiation like how how uh easy everyone is just handling the radiation hanging around people are, with radiation mm-hmm. like it's it's just so ridiculous because even being around the guy who has radiation can cause some problems too like radiation is awful it's terrible well the, well, the doctor takes <laughs> so so the thing they do with these corpses is they take their blood out and they put a radioactive fluid in them to keep their bodies working and and to keep their brains going and so the first 
one of the zombies they get a hold of uh, that they do tests on, um, they take some of his uh, radioactive blood liquid, whatever the fuck it is, and the guy does some tests on it, puts a Geiger counter up to it, and the guy's like, is that dangerous? He's like, well, prolonged exposure to this would be incredibly dangerous for anybody. So it's like he's basically saying like a nuclear reactor kind of is walking into these p- people's places, and if you walk around them, you're like in serious danger of like getting sick from radiation really quick. Yeah, but they, they kind of forget that too. Like they they kind of they kind of just conveniently drop that and then forget it later on. Like the final battle between all those fucking yeah. zombies and the soldiers <laughs> and, the and stuff. All those soldiers and cops got cancer right or, later on, like in reality, because mm. they. They were like basically like Greco Greco Roman wrestling with these fucking things <laughs> at one point. And yeah, they're dead. They're all dead. They're all dead. They're all dead. <laughs> even the guy who went into the lab is dead because there was enough mm-hmm. radiation around there that would even anyone who went in the house, let's be real. Anybody who went in the house with that much radiation, I don't care if they like had their suits on when they directly dealt with it. They just opened a fucking door. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to protect them. Like, labs have like multiple chambers in order to try and like remove mm-hmm. any sort of remnants of it. This was just uh, someone's basement where they put a fucking plexiglass. Like, yeah, that should stop it. Mm. Like, it's- but so the the thing, one of the one of the key things I'll say about this that I really like though is it's it is very cheap. Like, I I think this is probably even cheaper than most of the B pitchers that were coming out at this time, um, but it's very effectively shot. Like mm-hmm. you can tell the sets are cheap. You can tell it's very low budget. Like it's, it's probably not even a hundred thousand dollars back then, which was kind of like between 800,000 and a hundred thousand is probably where you'd see a lot of these pictures kind of sit. And I, it's more in like the $800,000 range, if not lower. I'm lo- just by looking at it. I kind of gauge that a little bit, um, but it's very like this director. He's very good at effectively shooting what he has to work with. And one of the things I love about what he does here, and he did very few like actual takes and shots in this film to cut costs. Um, so when characters are moving, they're moving to other rooms and stuff like that. Characters are constantly doing stuff. And especially in static shots that we open into, they're already moving when we get into those shots. It's not like, uh, like actually this is something we commented on when we were watching night of the living dead uh, the other night where you see the zombie that keeps cutting back to the zombies and they've barely moved or they are standing still and they just got the cue to start moving. So you see they they were standing still for a second and then they start moving here. You yeah. get none of that in this film. Like it, he's constantly got people moving. So you can tell he's started his takes even before he's sort of, said action i guess or you know or actually he'd said action and then he's started filming his right after they started moving kind of thing and it's just very well done in that way um it's edited well mm -hmm, it is it's it's very smooth to watch uh i did laugh though with when the helicopter was following the car the scenery from the helicopter was entirely different than what we've seen in the whole thing like it was a very much like a a mock shot not a mock shot uh it's called uh, poor man's process. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that that's like it's the it's the same thing you see like it's a rear projection. It's the same thing you see like whenever you see like old noirs where they're driving a car or something like that. It's it's like you know the rear and side projection, poor man's process. I mean, it, you know, even Quentin Tarantino 
used it in Kill Bill Volume Two, uh, used poor man's process. So like, it, it's it's an old classic technique. But um, so I do want to mention that <laughs> just getting bored to how stupid this whole thing is. Uh, and and I'm not complaining that it's stupid. I just want to yeah. point out that it's stupid. Um, so where you really have to s- suspend your disbelief is that the whole idea that this gangster is gone to this length to get revenge on these people who put him in jail and deported him. Like he here here's what his master plan is to get revenge instead of just you know getting some gangster buddies to kill these people the old fashioned way. He's going to the trouble of having a scientist reanimate bodies for him and and direct these bodies to these targets to kill them. And the funny thing is, he kind of thinks he's going to get away with this, but the whole process of this is leaving the biggest honking fucking clues for the police. And no matter how crazy this whole premise is, and the reality of what's happening is going to dawn on the police and they're eventually going to follow these leads no matter how fucking nuts they are because they're the only fucking leads massive radiation dead men walking the bodies are the dead men walking back to mm-hmm. the actual place where they all they get re- reanimated yeah it's very inefficient like it's so dumb like his his whole it, it, he's like he's it's 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 a weird thing. Like usually, it's just the mad. It would be the mad scientist doing this. We, we would make more sense, right? But it's a gangster hide, hiring a mad scientist to do this, which is just like an extra level of thump, something you don't really need in the plot. Um, and honestly, if it was just a mad scientist doing this, and his motivations were maybe a bit more secret, or you know, weren't as connected to something that the detectives could find out real quickly, which they do here in the film, you know, fairly quickly, like, oh, it must be Buchanan uh, getting revenge on the people who deported him. Um, I think the film kind of would be more effective in the suspense department if they had, like, kept it a big mystery, but it's like, pretty much scene one, you see them in, in the control room controlling the fucking dead zombie guy. Um... It's like okay, there's no mystery about what's going on here, because they want it. But at the same time, it's a 69 minute movie, so I understand why they had to like just move it along. Like we don't have time for suspense, really. Like we, you know, if they had made this like this, there's a much more effective hour and a half version of this movie where you don't know what the fuck's going on until like the last third of the film. That would be much like someone should actually remake this. But the, the problem is, of course, the problem, of course, is like what you said, everybody knows what radiation does and does not do. Yeah. So you can't really you can't really do this without it being a movie that kind of winks at the audience or whatever the fuck. And people are just going to shit on that, you know, yeah. no matter what. But I did think it was uh, OK. So I did think it was kind of cool that it uh, had the, the concept of like uh, Frankenstein's monster. Mm hmm. So you still had that idea of like reanimating a body. And I thought that was pretty interesting because um, it just recreated a uh, already made monster and kind of adapted it to the times back then. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting to me. That was uh, something that I did enjoy. And I mean, the little minute details in this film, they do, they do 
put in some nice little minute details that uh, like a, a lower grade pitcher at this time just wouldn't bother with. Like, I like how, you know, they, they try to make things look plausible. They got the laboratory, they got the guy with the mic to his mouth and he's, and he's saying what he wants the monster to do, but he's also using it to talk through the fucking zombie, basically. And they I have like the how foreign doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I like I like how you know the voice that comes out is his voice, but it's but they they mention plenty of times that it sounds like a recording of a recording. You know, it's mechanical. Um, yeah. There, there's this cool little spooky details there. Uh, I like how violent this movie kind of is. It's mm-hmm. in a suggestive way. Like you don't see the kills directly on screen, but the very first one, the silhouette of the guy getting uh, pulled up and having his back broken, like that's just fucking cool. And you hear the back break too, which is it's just surprising for a 1955 uh, movie. Um, then the other guy who gets pulled out of his car and strangled, uh, also, and just gets strangled quick. Like just you hear his neck get broke and he's dropped yeah. to his car. Very effective stuff. Um, yeah. The music, I found, like we said, the editing was brilliantly done. Like Considering uh, the budget and all the rest of that stuff. Mm-hmm. The fact is, the technology is not amazing, but I found that they did a really good job with everything they had. Yeah. Uh, the same with like the choice of music, the same with background music, the same with sound effects. Everything they did was amazing. And even just the... Um, I just appreciate the music alone. I thought from beginning to end, everything they used for music, I absolutely enjoyed. Yeah. And it was all, um, so they didn't, they didn't write a score for this. They did the sort of typical thing that they do back at this point. Like they, they'd either get like classical music, which they didn't do in this, or they'd get like just library cues and arrange them basically. And that's what they did for this one. So they picked very suitable kind of like 1950s, Hey, what is everyone else doing in their movies? And what is your cat doing? Attacking the keyboard? <laughs> Sapping pens. Mm. <laughs> She's kind of watching her. It's funny to watch. I would get disconnected though. She stuffs my keyboard. Mm, yeah. uh, okay, I got her. Get that atomic creature out of there. Um, oh, her claws. Her claws. Um, I do want to mention that uh, I, I also like in it's 1950s. And yes, there is the typical like sexism and stuff like that. But oh, at the same time. Uh, so our main character Chet and his wife Joyce, and we get a bunch of scenes in like domestic bliss, quote unquote, nineteen fifty mm-hmm. style with these two. I do like that it's like it implies that they're down to fuck in the morning as soon as he gets yeah. up. Yeah, it's like yeah. It, there's some cute things that I did enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like his so his his partner uh, who is um, D- Captain Dave oh, Harris com- comes in. And he's like, okay, is this Chet here? Uh, you know, he doesn't ask his wife to wake him up for him. He's like, wake him up. Get him down here, basically. You know, kind of 1950s sexism there. But at the same time, he's got, like, this cute relationship with her daughter. Like, she mm-hmm. calls him, you know, she calls him Uncle Dave and shit like that. And she's obviously, like, really fond of him. Um, so while he's entertaining her and keeping her busy in the kitchen, uh, you know, Chet's getting woke, woken up by Joyce. And he pulls she's her down so on the bed. Yeah, she is. And he's got this like extra bouncy bed. I noticed like it's it moves, <laughs> moves a lot. It's like they I guess they just fucked the hell out of that bed, I guess, is, is what's the implication there. Because um, it's almost like a water bed the way it fucking moves. Um, but yeah, they almost fuck. Uh, and he's like, well, 
you know, Dave doesn't know what he's missing. You know, he's not married or whatever. And that's that's like a sticking point that comes up later. Like the the daughter asks Dave, oh, you know, Uncle Dave, aren't you married? And it's like it doesn't really go anywhere. But um, I do like that. You know, these these scenes sort of like they drag a little bit, Mm -hmm. but there's a big payoff here. And it's like it's like the, one of the true real horror payoffs in this film, mm-hmm. where she is so fond, like the little daughter is so fond of Uncle Dave, and Uncle Dave becomes a victim of the zombification and is like used as a zombie, and he comes to the home as a zombie, and you don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Like, is he going to attack the daughter? Is he mm-hmm. going to attack the wife? Um, but you know, he's just he, he doesn't end up attacking them, but he does destroy her doll. Yeah. And then later on at the end of the film, the parents don't have it in them to tell her that Uncle Dave is dead. Yeah. To say, oh, he's gone away. He's going to be gone for a while, but he gave you this for your birthday. You know, this new doll to replace the old one that got destroyed. And it's like, man, that's actually kind of really poignant and sad. Like that, mm-hmm. that, like there's there's some emotional depth there that I did not expect from this film at all. I was pretty impressed with that. I was impressed too. Mm-hmm. I thought it was hilarious when at the beginning of the movie, when they first discover that this is like a reanimated body, that it's not like alive. And they tell the press, like it just says everything to the press. And the guy's like, I'm going to misspell your name. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the press. Yeah. Cause he's like, cause he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? What kind of malarkey are you giving us? Basically? It's, I'm going to misspell your name, asshole. You telling us this bullshit. Um, but speaking of the press, they have a segment with a TV newsman who's like reporting on this to the to the general public. And the first time he he does it, he's like, "This is obvious bullshit. You can believe that if you want to." But uh, they're like, "Fuck this crap!" And then eventually he turns around. Did you pick up for what his name is? No, Dick Cutting. Oh, <laughs> I, didn't, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> I thought it was pretty hilarious. Um, Also, this movie at one point uses a bunch of disaster stock footage as well to eat Mm -hmm. up some time because the the gangster like says, unless you unless you stop looking for us, you know, this is during the point where the government's like taking radiation detecting trucks out and stuff. He's like, unless you start stop looking for us, we're going to start like destroying shit. Then all of a sudden you see like stock footage of trains going off fucking tracks and planes exploding. And uh, there's actually some footage cut in there that if you look closely, it's actually some of the footage that's shown later when the zombies are fighting the soldiers. Did you see? Okay. The biggest thing I thought was really funny was the fact that they were using grenades and tossing Mm. them and they just made this little tiny explosion and be like, oh, grenades do nothing. Excuse me? Excuse you can put a hole through it, but a fucking grenade won't even like make a dent on their skin. And how tiny are these grenades? Like what are like, Yeah. Like I just saw as soon as I saw that I was like, hold on a hold on a second. There's a yeah. right by a house and mm-hmm. there's no like um just uh, just the shockwave uh, from Yeah, it. just just a shockwave should knock them down at the very least, right? Um there there is one zombie that does get chopped up by shrapnel from the grenade like that that's another thing i wanted to mention like this is the first film it's not the first film to use squib work but it's the first widely distributed film like 
to, to, to this degree that uses squib work. Like there were some uh, lower budget Westerns and stuff that had done it beforehand, but this is the first one to have like real squib work as far as like you see like bullets coming out the back of a, of a person or whatever. Okay. And, it, and you see some squib work on some of the zombies when they're getting shot in the final battle or whatever. Um, there is some squib work for one zombie when the grenade explodes be- beside him. Like you see a couple little pieces like shred off him basically kind of thing. Um, but yeah, there is a big disparity between what damage the grenade does. Why do they does. bother with the grenades in the first place? That's what I it just It like, just looks good, I guess, at the end. It just looked ridiculous. That, was, yeah. that, that really annoyed me because I didn't <laughs> care that the zombies, like they could have just blown away and just walked up again. Even if they're mm-hmm. missing like an arm or something, it would still have been hilarious to see him like still going. But the fact that a grenade went up beside them and they didn't even move... Like I think that defies science way more. Than the rest yeah, of it is. It's, it is a little. It is a little hard to. Yeah, that was uh, extremely hard to wrap your brain around. Hmm. Um. But yeah, like I, I think this is an important film in a way. Like it, it's it's just a, just a cheap little film they made to try to make some money. But like I don't know if this directly influenced Romero, but it's definitely one of the films that was sort of being made around this time that did kind of influence him as far as his idea of what zombies were, you know, because like, if anything, this is made around this vaguely in the same period of stuff like I am legend, which had like zombie, like vampire plague victims doing stuff that was very influential in Romero. But this feels like, very much close to Romero zombies, like these these guys walking around. They all got their like lobotomy scars. Um, although, yeah, uh, dude, nobody notices the detective's lobotomy scar until like <laughs> until his hat comes off. The massive, yeah. like the, all of them, all no one notices that there's a massive thing on their their front of front of their forehead, front of their yeah. forehead, right on the forehead, right in the middle, right the obvious scars. Like yeah. worse, like it's black and white movie, but it would definitely be worse in color. So in person, mm-hmm. you notice right away. Like people will notice a pimple in someone's face. You don't think they'll notice like a massive scar across the head? Yeah. <laughs> uh, like- I, my goodness, did I ever laugh with the chase scene, or not the chase scene, but the point where um, Dave and uh, the doctor were in the same Chet. car. Chat, we're in the same car. Yeah, and. Dave's driving and he's driving like dodging traffic off the road going around and Chet's like well be careful <laughs> yeah simmer down a little bit man this, and then you know. jumps out of the car completely unscathed he just jumps out he's like oh geez like, you he can't. just jumped out of his car your adrenaline would be so high right now yeah no you nothing phases Chet he, he, he's very uh, Chet is very cool to about everything like he he doesn't he, he doesn't even seem all that, you know, put out by the fact that dead men are walking around with reanimated atomic brains. He's just like, okay, oh, yeah. He's very, very, you know. Actually, Chet's kind of the guy you maybe want in a situation like this because he's very level headed, or he's totally insane and he's gonna he's gonna like slit everyone's throat in the night or something like that. You know, one or the other. But I did have um. A question. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what it was, but you know, in the, like the press point where they were like dropping papers in the thing, mm. like when they were doing all the phone calls. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're showing that. See, okay, what was that? Do you know what that was? I almost saw it really quickly, but I have. I, that's the first time I've seen it in a movie, and I don't really know what it was supposed to be. I don't know if it was like nine one one emergencies where they like send the messages out, or if it's news press because I know news press and like the the phone calls were kind of like at the same time happening. Yeah, I think that was just generally a montage to like we're rallying, we're you know we're going to rally the troops, we're going to get everyone informed. Yeah, but what what was that process though? Like it was literally like they wrote a piece of paper, like people were calling, they wrote whatever information, put it on this like little conveyor belt, and then it just went. I was just really curious as to what that was because I've never seen I, that. Yeah, I don't know. I I do not know what that is. Honestly, I was trying to kind of make a hypothesis too because I was trying to think like maybe it's nine one one calls and they send emergencies down. Maybe. Or maybe it's like journalism and they send information down. I don't know. Either yeah, like where like, to go? Yeah, I guess because you know. We, we're always thinking in the context of like anything you want to tell someone, it's just one quick click away. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah. That's why I thought it was really, well, just, it was really cool seeing that. Cause that's like old school technology. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of interested, like what the process was, like how they actually, that actually worked and what it was in the general, like I couldn't figure it out. So viewers, if you know, let me know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to be uh, educated. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think this is really good. I, I think it's, um, it, it it's not like a boring uh like one that you want to make a lot of fun of and shit like that yeah. like it, it's actually a generally pretty good movie pretty solid yeah uh, i got, agree yeah it's got some creepy moments and i think i think it's a little unheralded as like being fairly important in in the sense that like it's influential to future movies like there there are some in, innovations in this film and I mean, I don't know if Romero ever said he saw this one and was, you know, kind of thinking of this movie, but there was a lot of similar movies to this sort of in the time period that were kind of doing these walking dead reanimated corpse things with it, with radiation and shit that, I mean, generally the, the most uh, agreed upon thing is that some sort of radiation is reanimating the living dead and night of the living dead, like the returning radiation from the, the Venus probe that they destroyed before it came in, you know, got into Earth's orbit or whatever kind of thing. So um, I, I figure like maybe if, if not directly this film, the sort of uh, quote unquote zeitgeist of this sort of era with this sort of thing was probably on Romero's mind when making this shit. Um, it was. I read that in my textbook today. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> that exact uh, information. <laughs> oh, well, shit. Look at me. Um, but, but yeah, uh, it's, it's really good, and you should watch it. Um, it is a little hard to find. Uh, I, I did have a YouTube link for this that I shared with Lee, and then like a day later, it got z- z- yeeted off of fucking YouTube, just got, like ripped off of YouTube and destroyed. Uh, so I gave her the um, uh, Daily Motion link. So it's still on Daily Motion, uh, but there are some releases you can buy as well for this. Uh, there's a single Blu-ray, and it's also part of the Cold War Creatures set. Those are both from Arrow Video, and those just came out in 2021, as far as I know. Um, and there's a couple of DVD releases as well. There's one from Mill Creek Entertainment, which was like the 60th anniversary edition. Um, I don't, it's from Mill Creek, so I don't know if that necessarily means there's, you know, 
cleaning up of the film or there's any extras or anything because sometimes Mill Creek just doesn't do that, but it's probably okay. Uh, and there's also the uh, Icons of Horror collection, the Sam Katzman um, collection, and Sam Katzman was the producer of this and several other films during this time period, and that's from Sony. And it might be on Rare Lust. I did not check. I imagine it probably is. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. I do have a couple things I want to mention before we wrap it up here. Uh, So there was one scene at the end where the zombies, like he takes the uranium out and like he starts smashing the machines. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like how I call them zombies. Anyways, uh, (laughs) reanimated corpses uh, where they were stopping. The fighting had stopped because they started collapsing. And there was this Mm -hmm. one cop in the corner where his fighting like because i guess he just said just fight his fighting was so like hands like, it was so <laughs> bad it was just so comical to watch like he's just in the corner it's just for a split second but it god damn it is ever funny <laughs> 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 it was i don't know it was just over the top fighting and the zombie or the guy or whatever was like dying because they had no more brain activity or electric mm. activity going on and then he's just flailing his arms. So he's just slapped them down, basically. <laughs> yeah, like, it's so funny because they're so tough and he just barely knows how to fight. Um, and uh, at the end, uh, when the girl calls the new doll Dave. Yeah. It's like, wow, they're progressive in a way. <laughs> yeah, I think they kind of, I think they just kind of like backed up into being progressive there. They didn't really think about it too much. Like, Yeah, but- it was just, when she's like, I don't care. Like, good on you, girl. Good on yeah, you. She, I'm, I'm calling it Dave, and they're like, well, that's a boy's name. And so I'll just say he's she's a tomboy. <laughs> and he's like, well, I guess that works. <laughs> the progressive moment of the movie. Yeah. And uh, then at the end, how all this craziness happened, and this guy could just go home for his daughter's birthday mm-hmm. with no paperwork to do, no aftermath, totally calm and collected, be like, hey, guys. I just save the world <laughs> yeah and his, and his best friend died who was probably you know uncle dave was probably going to be you know the godfather of his of his daughter as well you, you kind of can imagine who like it, it's not implicitly implied but it feels like maybe there is a little bit left of him in his brain activity and that's why he yeah. strangled, strangled the uh the gangster I, to death kind of I thing i think that's yeah. what they hinted at because like yeah. he opened the window so um, he could get in. Yeah. And then, uh, so Chet gets in. Yeah, opens the window for Chet. And then Dave goes in after Chet. And yeah. then when Dave is, or sorry, Chet is like cornered with a gun, Dave comes in and saves him. So it looks like there was some humanity still left in him, which again, massive suspended belief. Like literally yeah. your brain's being reanimated. So no memories are in there, which Again, it's hilarious that they can't even understand it. Anyways, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> let's, let's start it again. Um, so, another thing I thought was funny is how quick the papers were. Because, like I said, <laughs> it was the girl's birthday. Dad was able to make it home. And the paper of the new fucking story was there. Like, again, we're in this age where we can, like, update information really quickly. Mm-hmm. They literally have to write a story, process it, and everything. And they can't just have one article. Like, it's a full newspaper. And they're just like, oh, hey, by the way, here. It's yeah. ready to go. Like, <laughs> so it's in the paper. It's official. It happened. Like, I think it would have been more effective if they just did, like, a news report that you heard in the background. Yeah, just put Dick Cutting back on the TV. It's like, 
and so and so saved the world from blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because even could have done it like an exit, like leaving the house while they're in the kitchen and the radio is playing on in the living room. So then the daughter still wouldn't have heard it. Like still, it would have made more sense to me than a fucking newspaper. So you just you just made a better ending scene than what this movie had. <laughs> but yeah, no, but you know, I think I think in general we still both like this one. And, yes, uh, I do. It, it, yes. it is fun. It is a lot of fun. It, like mm-hmm. it, it's it's not one of those ones where the bad moments make you groan like some of these movies do, where it's like you really gotta go like okay maybe i need a few drinks before i watch this (laughs) kind of thing this is actually generally it's actually shooting to be good it's like taking things serious so um yeah check it out um not sure what we're doing next or when we're doing it uh there's going to be some sort of bump in our schedule here quick soon because uh, lee and i are going to be taking a vacation in october so that's going to mess with our schedules a little bit Although, I don't know, maybe we could fucking somehow record something when we're on vacation. I don't know. I think we could figure something out. I don't yeah. bring my laptop. Okay. We'll think of something. Maybe we'll just record. <laughs> I don't know if we're recording anything, probably for our own per- private use, but whatever. Because, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. we listen to podcasts on our own time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was talking about podcasts, but, you know. Um, I think uh, shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Lee, is there anything you need to plug uh, this week? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at MoneyTinyAllStar. And there is a bunch of pictures of both my dog and cat. And mm-hmm. also updates of uh, when a new podcast comes out. Yeah. There you go. She is our uh, social media maven. I'm uh, Instagram, only Instagram. You have Facebook. I have Instagram, and neither of us really do Twitter. Well, you do Twitter, but... I do Twitter, but uh, you know, Instagram's where it's at. It's where all the kids are now, where they yeah. where they get their where they get their TikToks and their uh, Snapchats and whatever else. I think mm. that's how it works, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. have a Snapchat that I don't even use. It's just there. People no, ask oh, me okay. for Snapchat. I'm like, okay, but... <laughs> nothing <laughs> yeah um but if you want to find the rest of our stuff all of our links to facebook youtube etc etc go to tmbdos.podbean.com find everything there uh join the facebook group like we said before best way to get in contact with us and yeah um i imagine most of the stuff we're going to be doing in the next little while is going to be horror centric uh since we're getting into october um, some spooky stuff. I'm, I'm sure some of it's probably going to be stuff that's involving uh, Lee's class because she's doing a horror movie class. So there's definitely some stuff on there that we haven't covered on the podcast that we probably will end up covering. So some classics on there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but until then, uh, thank you, Lee. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Mm. And uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back when we're back. Goodbye. Bye.
Facebook and YouTube links, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.